on to a new RFM. Right now, you're listening to Finance and Barry Preston. We have a special guest today, a regular guest, a financial services information officer with Centrelink, and uh, Diane's going to depart some of her 21 years' experience. Hi, Diane. How are you? Good afternoon, Barry. I'm very well. I'm enjoying that music you've been playing. I know. Uh, I was I was sitting here very quietly, actually. No, I was bouncing around in the chair, I must admit. Yeah. Australian Working Life Residency, or the AWLR, Strengthening Requirements. First of all, what is it and what's the, why are we strengthening requirements? We've had a few changes announced in the budget and most of these don't come into effect for a little while. So I guess one of the ones we wanted to alert people to, and it mainly affects um, age pensioners who may be planning to um, be out of Australia more than 26 weeks. And uh, uh, there can be um, effects on their pension, um, the age pension, if they're out of Australia for more than 26 weeks. And um, it will depend on how long um, they've been a permanent resident in Australia. So a working life residence is how long you've been a permanent resident in Australia between the age of 16 and, and for most people, 65. So at the moment, um, you need a, um, 25 years or longer residence in Australia to be paid the, the full pension um, if you're out of Australia more than 26 weeks. And that's going to change to having been in Australia as a permanent resident for 35 years. That's a big jump, isn't it? Well, it's, um, it doesn't mean that they, um, if you have been here less than 35 years, you don't get some pension, but it can mm. reduce how much we pay on the age pension once you've been out of Australia more than 26 weeks or six months. I think it's uh, probably good because it's looked as though the government's trying to strengthen the position for the Australian taxpayer there. Yeah, if you're no longer living and spending your mm. dollars in Australia. Portability of Australian government payments. Now, uh, I assume this is a similar sort of thing or it's tied up with it? It, it is, but it applies to um, other Centrelink payments. So um, at the moment, most Centrelink payments can be paid um, if you're out of Australia temporarily for up to 13 weeks. That's going to reduce to six weeks. So this is for people who might be on um, a new start allowance or a family payment um, and who are outside of Australia for um, uh, more than six weeks. So that's that a fairly, doesn't, yeah. fairly simple one. When's that one start? Uh, 1st of January 2013. Not that far away. And the important message is here is if, if you're receiving a Centrelink payment and you're planning to be out of a, go out of Australia, even for a short holiday, it's important that you let us know and have a talk to us at Centrelink before you go and make those plans to make sure um, uh, if you're relying on, on some support payments, what's going to happen to those payments. Because I suppose Centrelink now with all the tie-ups with computers and so forth can actually tell when you're out of the country. With the data matching program, yes, Centrelink matches our records with other government organisations and, yes, it's recorded electronically when you leave the country and when you come back in. So, yes, we will know about that. Liquid assets waiting period. This is an amendment to the liquid assets waiting period. First of all, what is liquid assets and what's this waiting period amendment? When people come and apply for Centrelink payments like a new start or sickness allowance or, or a youth allowance, there can be a period of time that they have to live off their own savings before getting Centrelink assistance. And um, that's what we call their liquid assets, how much money they've got available to help support themselves for up to 13 weeks. Now, um, I guess um, the cost of living is increasing, so the limits on how much you can have 
um, is increasing for single people from two and a half thousand to five thousand, and for couples from five thousand to ten thousand. Before you have any time where you have to wait to get the new start or sickness allowance payments. Okay, we'll have one more question and then we'll go for a little break. But this one, uh, we often bring this one up, and it's been going for quite some time. Is there any changes to it? How about the pension bonus scheme? First of all, what is it, and is it still going? Certainly, um, the pension bonus scheme is all about um, people who continue working and defer claiming the age pension um, can be eligible for a one-off tax-free lump sum amount. It has been closed to new entrants, um, so you had to qualify or be age pension age before September 2009, so nearly three years ago. You had to be age pension age before then to register to be eligible for this scheme. And the important thing with this one is the amount of the bonus is dependent on how many years and months you defer claiming the age pension, plus also your starting rate of the age pension. So we're getting quite a few people who are registered for this scheme um, who are coming up to retirement and we'd encourage them to have a talk to Centrelink or the Financial Information Service Officer about their income and assets and um, about the uh, amount that they might receive in a bonus when they retire. Because there is a pretty tight time frame here, isn't there? There is. You, it, once you, you finish um, work, then generally you need to apply for the age pension and the bonus within 13 weeks. And how much you have in savings and perhaps superannuation, um, other assets apart from your home, can affect the age pension and the amount of the bonus that you will receive. To a new RFM at 14 to 1, you're listening to Finance. Barry Preston, we're thinking about Centrelink things today. We certainly are. We have an expert with us, Diane Jones, a regular guest who is imparting some of her 21 years' knowledge. Diane, how do I register for self-service and where can I find help using it? And the most important, what is this self-service? Do I walk into Centrelink and just take... No, that's not... That's not the right self-service, is it? No, I guess um, like all uh, large organisations, we're quite busy and we want to encourage people to use our online services to uh, mean that they don't have to wait on the, the phone at our offices. So there are three, I mean, to use our online services, you do need to register and be issued with a password because you don't want someone else accessing your information. There are three ways you can do that, either on, on the Centrelink website um, over the, our phone services, they can register you and issue your password or at a Centrelink office. Now, once you're issued with that registration and your password, then you can use our online services rather than having to wait in a queue. And you would change, as soon as you got your password, I'd say you'd change it. Would that be correct? Yes, most certainly, and you can change that at any time and set up some question and answers if you're like um, some of us and forget our passwords, having a question and answer system again so that um, you can be issued with a password if you've forgotten it. And one of the questions I did have, and you answered it for me, but I'm going to bring it up again, I'm going overseas and I need to tell Centrelink, that's important. Yeah, most certainly. Even if you're going um, overseas for just a you know a week or ten days, um, different Centrelink payments are affected in different ways. So it's important you tell us. And sometimes um, people get delayed overseas due to ill health or other reasons and stay, have to stay a bit longer than what they originally thought. So it's important that you do tell us before you go out of Australia, even if it's a short holiday that you're planning. This is an interesting question. I'm an employer and unfortunately, due to a downturn in business, I have to make some of my workforce redundant. 
do I need to tell Centrelink? Yes, em- employees must notify Centrelink if they're, they're planning to retrench 15 or more employees. So for very small employees, then um, no, only if they're um, retrenching 15 or more. And we do have a special contact number um, for um, uh, businesses. There's a Centrelink business hotline. That's 131158. They can provide that information on. Um, and also information on, on the Centrelink website is available for employers as well. Now, I'm an employee and I've just found out that my employer has gone bankrupt and as well as having to let me go, he can't pay me what I'm owed. Is there anything to do with this at all? What should I do? Yeah, um, uh, there is um, a, a program established a few years ago through the Department of Education, Employment and Workplace Relations that... Um, um, if you lose your job um, because your employer's gone bankrupt or liquidated and there are insufficient funds to pay your outstanding entitlements, um, you may be able to gain assistance under a program um, to make up those payments to you. So again, we've got information about that um, on the Centrelink website that will link you to the, the um, what's called the GEARS program. There's also a hotline number um, for people to call um, the 1300-135-040 um, phone number if you're in that situation. And does Centrelink provide any service or advice for people who face being made redundant? That's no, an interesting certainly. one. The, the, the service that yeah. I work for within Centrelink, the financial information service, I guess is to help people understand um, possible entitlements, how long they might have to wait for payments, also discussing the options with, with superannuation or other savings, how that can impact on Centrelink and what their options are there. So, important service. So there is a real need for people to register, I believe, online so they can get all the information and take their time. They haven't got to go into Centrelink. But uh, it's becoming a more friendly uh, website, I believe. Most certainly. Um, Centrelink services are delivered by the Department of Human Services. So our our website is moving across um, to the Department of Human Services because together with uh, Medicare and Child Support Mm -hmm. Services, we're all part of the Department of Human Services. So... Um, yes, at the moment you go to centrelink.gov.au, but it's moving across to human services where you'll have both Medicare and child support information all in the one site. Let's hope somebody doesn't pull a plug out of the wall one day for the electricity. <laughs> Diane, on behalf of everyone at 2NURFM 103.7, all our listeners, thank you very much indeed for bringing us up to date on some interesting things today. Thank you for the opportunity to talk to your listeners. I know that lots of them um, are interested in, in the things that we talk about.